1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Hi there, and welcome to Grief is My Superpower. I'm Mark Lemon, award-winning children's author, bereavement ambassador, and your host for this podcast. Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible people that get open and honest about their own experience with grief. When I was 12 years old, my dad was murdered, and my life changed forever. I try to explore with my guests if it's possible to live a happy and fulfilled life after the death of a loved one. You can find me as Mark Lemon official on Instagram and at the Lemon Drop Books website. For this episode, I speak with musician Jay Soul. Jay Soul speaks with me about the death of his mum and how it shaped his outlook on life. You can find Jay Soul on Instagram and Twitter as Jay Soul World. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment wherever you're listening to this podcast. By doing this, it will help us to reach more people in need of support at a tough time. This podcast is in support of children's bereavement charity, Winston's Wish. Okay so as per my introduction my guest today is someone that I've recently discovered through social media and after seeing everything that they're about realizing that the journey that they've gone through themselves through their own grief is very powerful and it's Jay Sol. How are you?
1: Yes I'm great Mark how you doing?
0: Yeah I'm not too bad thanks. So thank you so much for speaking with me today and, you know, taking time out. And, you know, as as all our interviews have been this year, which, through this strange pandemic that we're going through, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at home in my kitchen and and no doubt you're somewhere at home, I I would imagine. Yeah. So for the listeners, would you be able to just give them a brief sort of about you and, and what you're about, please?
1: Yeah, so my name is Jay Sol. Um, I'm a preacher's kid. So I grew up singing in church and that's kind of why I discovered... Um, I guess, my gift and my talent that I wanted to share with the world for the rest of my life. Um, <clears throat> and ever since then, I guess, yeah, I've just kind of been on this journey uh, to create a life and to create an impact within the music and entertainment industry, so... Um, I I attended a Brit school. Um, where I studied musical theatre, and that's kind of what kind of really shaped a lot of my skills and taught me a lot of, I guess, the ways I wanted to maneuver in the music industry and where I wanted to, where I really wanted to place my foot. Um. After the Brit School, I got a little publishing deal with Sony Records. And then, yeah, I guess I've just kind of been pursuing my solo journey. I did feature on the X Factor, but I guess a lot more people would probably um, recognize me from my YouTube refixes. I had a moment where I was like kind of doing a lot of covers and I guess kind of... making a lot of popular songs and kind of flipping them and giving them like a 90s r&b refix and a lot that got a, a lot of them went viral and that kind of really really just started to i guess um get a lot of momentum around my name and um that's kind of really been my journey and obviously i've released a few singles and one of which, um, the first one, which was Alien, which kind of, I guess, really kind of put me into a lot of people's radar, which was Alien, and it got playlisted on so many big radio stations, and I'm so blessed still till today um, for that amazing opportunity, and, um, and, and yeah...
0: So, yes, yeah, quite a journey so far. Um, but I guess, you know, while we're talking today and, and, you know, you've come on to to share your own story, and I was just wondering whether you could share with the listeners about your own experience with grief, please.
1: For sure. So um, 2015 was the hardest year of my entire life. Um, there's never been a year quite like it. I didn't know that year was going to be the way it was. April 22nd will forever be a day um that I'm afraid of if I'm being honest with you. Um so my mum suddenly passed the cancer. Um and um I remember I remember one day I woke up and she wasn't in, which was very, very strange because my mum was always kinda usually in. Um and especially in the morning. So I woke up and she wasn't in. So I called my dad, and I thought it was was mum. He's like, oh, she's just in the hospital, you know, she wasn't really feeling well. So I didn't really think much of it. So I went out about my day as normal. And then the next day she was still there. I mean, I called her that evening. She was like, I'm still here. I'm going to leave tomorrow. So still, I'm not really thinking much about it. Then the next day, I remember I was in the studio session. and My sister called me saying, "Um, the doctor's just diagnosed mum with cancer. And this would have been like middle March, um... And I remember I am, I'm literally in the booth about to record a song, and I've literally just frozen, um, like I completely went numb. And um, I remember like the producer and the writers in the studio, were like, "Oh yeah, Jay, you ready to you know record?" And I'm one of them people I don't like people seeing my emotions, so I I, I instantly went into acting mode. And just, you know, trying to hold face and just like, yeah, everyone's everything's cool, you know, whatever. So I'm carrying on in the studio session with that in the back of my mind, like, oh, what, what is happening? And, you know, I guess automatically I just thought, OK, cool, it's cancer, but it's not like the end of the world. I've heard a lot of, you know, positive stories, like a lot of people have survived and beaten it. And automatically that I was just trying to remain positive. Um, went to the hospital that night and um, my mum seemed fine. Um, and then she was able to leave I guess the day after we picked her up and then I remember like one of the last conversations I remember of hers I remember sitting with her in my conservatory at the time and um she was just like Stephen which is my real name she's like Stephen like um she's like my body's not doing what I'm telling it to do and she was just so down and I've never seen my mom down before cause she's very strong. Arguably she's strong. I, I think women are stronger than men. If I'm being totally honest with you, like she's just always been a rock. Um, and I've just never, the only time I've ever seen my mom being weak is when her father passed away. And I remember being a kid like, why is she crying? Like, you know, like I'm seven years old. Like, why is she crying? Like I didn't really understand it. Um, and yes, I just remember saying that like, my body's not telling me, it's not doing what I'm telling it to do. And I just started, like, just a bit of tears started coming down my eyes. And, um, and I was like, "Mum's has to be fine, man. Like, don't worry. Like, you know, like, we're all very much a Christian household. So I was like, listen, like, there's nothing God can't do and this and that. And um, um, later on that evening, she had a stroke in the house. And... Um, we took her to the hospital and then the next day when we came to visit her they were like yeah she's not gonna make it like this is her final day and i remember being like hang on like i was talking to her yesterday like what what do you mean this is her final day and um from that day she was just in a coma basically and um um yeah and that was kind of everything and i just remember you know, me and my siblings, me and my three sisters, all just kind of surrounding her um, while she was just laying there. And um, that was literally the last moment. And, um, yeah, that was literally the last moment. And before she, I guess, before she completely passed and went on, um, she I remember her opening her eyes and looking at every single one of us, her children, and then that was just it. That was literally just it. Like, she kept breathing, and the breathing kept stopping. And then she would, like, gasp for more air, and then it would stop. And every time she'd gasp, like, we would just, like, be like, <sighs> kind of thing, like, okay, she's still with us. And it happened maybe about six times. And then the last time, it didn't... She didn't gasp for air, and that's when we was just, like... I was completely silent in the room, and my sisters were all screaming. Like, I remember that hospital was, like... It 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 was like a scene in a movie. Like every we was then my sisters were screaming, like screaming down that whole hospital. And I was just there frozen, just looking at her like, no, 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 no. Like this is this cannot be real. I have to be in a dream. This this cannot be real. And I just remember thinking, please someone come and save the day. Please someone come and help me. Please someone just do something. Like we was begging the hospital. I mean, we were begging the doctors and the nurses more so um to do something. And they were just like, There's nothing we can do. And I was just I was just like, listen, like we can go private, I've got money and this and that. And they was just like, There's absolutely nothing we can do. And I've never felt so helpless in my entire life. And um, I remember that, that that's kind of what I really remember from the last days of um mum. Oh,
0: that happened so quickly, didn't it? So quick, within weeks. Do you remember following the days that she died and and, and how you felt, how you coped? Because obviously a lot of people that would been listening to this will, would have gone through their own grief um and and you know and we always say that everyone's grief is individual and we all deal with it in our own way and cope with it in our own way and do you do you you remember how um how you got through those days following your mum's um death so the
1: first me the first two days i was fine it was almost like it didn't register you know it was like, yeah, she's gonna come she's gonna walk through the door anytime now, you know? I don't know why I thought that, but that was my that was my thought process. And then I remember um, because both my parents are preachers, like they, they have both had, have a church and there's they have a massive um, congregation. So I just remember there are so many people from church, you know, coming to visit friends from around the world, coming to visit us, cooking for us and just, you know, being so present. And I, to this day, I'm so grateful because I don't know what I would have done without all of those people visiting and showing love and being there for me. You know, and that's why I have a different level of respect. And during this whole pandemic, sorry to kind of go a bit off, but I don't know the people that have lost someone during this period of time. I think are a different level of strong because I couldn't imagine losing my mum during this pandemic, where people wasn't able to come and visit and look after me because the, the 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 way my head was like i was definitely very suicidal and it's only because of the prayers and the people coming round to really motivate me and keep me alive and keep me going it's only because of them like that i believe i'm still here today because if i was just trapped by myself in my room <laughs> It, it, it really would have been a different story, you know, just having all of, if I just had all of that time to be in my own thoughts, the way a lot of us were during this whole lockdown, then it, it would have been, it would have been just so different for me. And, you know, I, I know a couple of people that have lost a close one during this, you know, this year. And I really do salute every single one of them. Um, and... You know, I've tried to be there for a lot of them, but I don't even know how to be there for them because it's like it's like a different level that I can't relate to, you know? I really feel like they're in a diff. I feel like they're in a different league and a harder... And I mean, this is super hard, but I think that's harder, personally. I think that would have been very, very much harder um, in terms for me. Um, so... I think you're right. I think in terms of this year
0: and the pandemic and... And the grief that a lot of people out there are feeling. And, you know, like you say, a lot of people can't visit. You know, if if you've got grandparents, you can't, you know, a lot of people haven't been able to say goodbye or go to the funeral. And so it's, yeah, it's hugely
1: tough. I couldn't imagine not like I, you know, we we, we gave my mum the biggest send off we can really afford at the time. it wasn't as big as I wanted it to be, but it was still big and there was a lot of people that came and, you know, people that sang and, um, you know, we really tried to put on a production for her and, you know, I really wanted to, it was the last thing I could really do and as an entertainer, that was my, you know, this is my field, so I really wanted it to, I really wanted the celebration, it to be a celebration and not so much a funeral. That was kind of my really my thought process and, you know, I couldn't imagine me and my siblings not even being able to say goodbye to her in the the hospital, you know, not getting to visit and and stuff like that. You know, my heart goes out to people that lost someone this year because it could not have been easy and they deserve all the love and praises and comfort and blessings and whatever...
0: It's an incredibly tough time. I know. Um, sort of moving on to my next question, which you know, I mean, we touched on it briefly with the introduction. But you know, yesterday, for instance, I watched your audition on the X Factor, and um, and if I'm honest, I also showed it to my my five year old um, little girl this morning, um, just to say, look, this is who I'm interviewing this afternoon, and and she was, you know, herself, like being a five year old, just like, wow. That was amazing but you know kind of leading on to that audition and also the power of music and creativity that is such a healing process um and can be for for lots of people um i was just wondering what what gave you the push to go on to the x factor and to to share your song with so many people out there and and also how how powerful music's been
1: to you through your your own grief So X Factor, The Voice, and other TV shows, music TV shows, have been emailing me, calling me to come on their shows since maybe 2011. It's been a long time. I'm 2016, I wish. (laughs) I'm 26 now, 11 years, what's that? Since I was like 16, 15, some of these shows have wanted me to come on them and audition for them, and I've always said no. It's doing a TV talent show, I never really saw that in my future. And I remember growing up, my mom was always like, yo, you should do the X Factor. It would be so amazing. And I always tell my mom, mom, that's not the route I want to go down. And, you know, the artists that I aspire to be like, like the Michaels, the Stevie's, the, you know, the Bobby Browns and the Ushers, like they didn't do a talent show. So in my head, I wanted to go down their route, you know, where I got signed and I'd done it this way. And that was the way I kind of visioned my career going. Um, and I just always kind of said, like, those shows aren't really respected. People don't really... Um, people don't really um, respect those kind of artists that go on those kind of TV shows. And that was kind of my thing. And I, that was kind of always what I said to my mum. But she was always like, listen, you need to do this show. And I remember maybe a couple of months before she passed, she actually sent me a link to audition for The X Factor. <laughs> and... Um, I ignored it, um, so maybe so 2008, so 2015 they would have hit me up again. But 2015, like you said, how how was my stages after my mom passed? I was on a high, like I didn't believe it. I was, I guess, very in denial. I was definitely in denial for quite a lot, a, a few years, um, but it didn't hit me. And I remember there was a lot of people in my house. Um, a couple of, you know, there was maybe for like the the first two, three weeks, people were in my house every day, lots, maybe like over 30, 40 people were in my house every day. Um, I remember the second day, me and my, um, girl at the time, and um, we was in, all in my room and, um, friends as well, all in my room. I, we was watching the, f- a 90s TV show I can't remember Maybe it was Kenan and Kel And I remember like We was all just in the show Like laughing or whatever And out of nowhere <clears throat> I just started crying Like one of those loud cries Like Like You know those disgusting ones That just sounds like <laughs> It's just got so much Base and weight on it You know those Yeah And I remember Everyone was just looking at me No one knew what to do Because For the first couple of days Everyone was like Wow Jay like, You're so strong Like You know like But, you know, like, looking at me in pity, so, again, like, I was showing face as... Someone in the entertainment industry and someone like myself, I hate people feeling sorry for me. So I was always kind of keep trying to keep face and hold face. Like, I've got this, like, this is nothing. Like, I'm going I can handle this kind of thing. Like I'm a G. Like what? Do you know what I mean? Like, whatever life has to throw at me, I can deal with it, kind of thing. And that's kind of always been my mentality. But this one, I couldn't like after 48 hours, I I just couldn't hold it. Like it, I was just like It just something came over me and I just had to let it all out. I couldn't, I couldn't hold it in in front of people anymore. And and of course, like when I was by myself, I remember crying in pillows and all of that kind of stuff at night, you know, trying to sleep. But whenever I was in front of people, I had to, I had to hold face. I had to hold it together. I had to be in my head. I had to be the strong one. I had to be the man in my house and I had, I had to let my sisters, you know, in my head, be the vulnerable ones and be the ones that were able to cry. But I had to be the one that, you know, didn't really show emotion, which I think is such a toxic trait. But um, but that was kind of that was kind of the thing. And I've kind of waffled on, but I knew where I was going to go, but I can't remember now. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> but, I think um, you
0: moved on to a really good point in a way. I mean, obviously us as men, and, and do you know what? We did talk off mic about how men can struggle when talking about grief or their mental health, you know, and over the last couple of years has been, a great spotlight shined on mental health and 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 men sort of opening up in that way. But it is and I, I mean I was 12 years old when my dad died and, and I remember someone coming up to me and going, well you're the man of the family now or the house now. And I was like, well I am 12 years old but like you say there's this toxic um thing around masculinity and acting in a certain way and being a certain way. So I guess for you when you had that opening up of you know the 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 tears the belly tears um how
1: did it make you feel did you feel like a weight off oh my god I remember it was the biggest weight and I remember I remember because during that time I only there was a comfort I found from talking to people that I'd lost a parent to the point to the point of I only wanted to be around people that I'd lost a parent because I felt I felt embarrassed to lose a to lose a parent if I'm being totally honest with you I remember, like. I felt like people that still had both both their parents, like, I felt like they... <laughs> I felt like they had their ish together more than I did. I felt like they were better. I felt like... I don't know, I just remember feeling embarrassed to not have a mum. Embarrassed that my mum didn't survive, you know, and beat the cancer. There was just so many things, mixed emotions, and I only wanted to be around people that understood the pain I was going through. And I remember this girl she came to me and she said her thing was cry whenever you want to cry that was something and that was something i i still remember like and that's that's something that i tell anyone um that hit me up or anyone that has lost a loved one i just say cry whenever you want to cry um and that's my only advice and that was advice given to me and it every time i cried it 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 helped i, I can't explain it but it just it was a relief you know, of course, it still hurts, et cetera, but it was kind of just like some weight off of my shoulder every time I was crying, and you, you needed you, I needed that cry, and i, I never cry <laughs> you know, but <clears throat> that was the only thing that 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 made me cry yeah it's that thing isn't it It kind of
0: opens opens the floodgates you know you you, you know once you realize that there's that thing that gets you, and i 'm the same you know I, if i'm if I, you know if i'm sat there on my own. I think about what normally it's when I'm least expecting it. I don't know about you, but um it and it could be anything that sort of triggers it off, but it it is such a release, and I think that's such a big message that we need to give to to young people really as well isn't it and um that it's it's all right to show these emotions um i
1: i I think' I think it's the only way to get through it showing them emotions and I mean I'm not the person that shows it in the front i think everyone shows their emotions differently like i remember i was having a conversation with my friend the other day and um we we both had a gig in italy and um you know she was i think someone posted like a kind of um they posted themselves crying on social media and she said to me she was like i don't understand why people film themselves crying on social media. Like, I don't get it. I would never do it. And I said to her that 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 might be her version of a cry for help, that she needs someone to help her. You know, she doesn't know any other way to do it, but that way some people aren't good at messaging or picking up the phone and saying to someone, I need your help, I'm going through this. Some people, it's easier for them to just film themselves and post it on social media and hope that people care enough to reach out. You know, everyone's kind of method is different um, to showing that they need help. I guess my way of showing that I need help is not trying to show it and hoping that (laughs) people will just call me and be like, are you all right? Do you need this? Do you need that? And probably most times I'm going to say I'm all right, even though I'm not all right. Um, But then my close friends will know that I'm not all right from just looking at me in the eyes or just hearing my voice. You know, Um, just people paying attention and, you know, I think it's very... I think because I think in a time like this where people are very judgmental on how people do certain stuff, um, like especially on social media. Oh, my God, it's the worst place to be in the world. I hate it. But um, and to to go a little bit off again, I'm sorry. But, um, you know, John Legend and Chrissy, is her name Tegan? I know that they just lost their child a couple of weeks ago. And I saw so many comments like, why did she post a picture? Why is she tweeting? And, you know, and my thing was, that's her escape that's that's how she's dealing with it she wanted to post a picture she wanted to share that you know for some people sharing what they're going through really is their way of dealing with what they are going through you know some people are internal some people are external and i just i just can't stand to see people criticizing people and the methods that they choose to go down to, to deal with their grief um I kind of went off on a tangent there but um <laughs> no it's
0: true it's completely true what you're saying you know everyone's grief is individual everybody deals with it in their own way and
1: yeah um so 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 yeah we spoke about the x facts and what made me want to do that so 2015 obviously my mom passed to so that the, the first couple of months I remember I'd done a headline show I didn't cancel it I was like I want to do it um I carried on releasing music. It, Like I said, it didn't really hit me until later on. And then later on in the year, that's when it hit me and I was just depressed for a good two years. Like, I couldn't do much. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in my bed watching films, getting fat, you know, and just not looking after myself, to be very honest with you. Um, <clears throat> and then 2018 came and I think that year saved me. I think that was a very very good year for me um and then the x factor approached me again um maybe in around march i want to say someone dms me on instagram saying hey we're talent scout for x factor we'd love to have a conversation with you now again usually i just air all of the messages and the emails but something in my heart Actually what the something in my heart was is a couple of days before that before that DM, I was going through text messages between my mom and my, my, my mom and myself and I saw that X Factor application form <clears throat> link that she sent me. So when I got the DM from the X Factor A and Rs, it kind of just felt like it was meant to be. I was like, "This is weird." I just read the messages between my mom and I, and now I'm getting the talent scouts for X Factor hitting me up. I'm like, "This has to be a sign. It has to be." So this time, for the first time, I entertained the conversation. I was like, "Cool. What is it about? What do you want me to do? Like, how how do you guys see how do you guys see my future on this show?" And um, you know, I told the girl I can't remember her name on the phone I was like listen the only way I'm gonna do it is if I perform the song that I wrote for my mom on the show and um she was like let's hear it and I played it to her and so I played I sung it to her and um she cried and I remember I got invited to do an audition and meet the producers and they were all just like speechless when I sang the song and and I remember they said to me you're gonna do very well on this show um you have to understand it is also a TV show. And I said, everything, my whole journey on this show is going to be dedicated to my mom because she wanted me on this show. I don't want to be on this show. She wanted it, you know? So I'm doing this for her. It's kind of, and it kind of felt like the last thing I had to do for her, you know? It was the last thing she asked of me and I didn't do it for so many years. So it was really, really fulfilling to finally do something she asked me to do because... For years, you know, everyone, you know, their mum or their parents told them to do something. They're like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to I do not want to do that. I don't want to clean that room. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And I finally had something years later. I thought, like, oh, I actually have something I can do that my mom's told me to do, you know? So it kind of felt like a chore <laughs> kind of thing. And I, I felt very, like, proud of myself after. Um, also very disappointed in myself because I felt like I had a lot more to offer. And I kind of felt like I let myself down in aspects, but um, but above anything, I felt like what I needed to do on that show was fulfilled, and and I think above anything, that was reaching out and singing my song to help a lot of other people that are dealing with what I'm going through. And the funny thing is that that song, "Bullet in My Heart," was never meant to be released. That was a private conversation that I wrote between my mom and I, like just asking her where she is in the world, like how have we lost our way, you know, yeah. and telling her how this has made me feel. I feel like I'm li- there's literally a bullet in my heart and I'm not, how am I not dead? <laughs> if I'm feeling this way, how am I still alive? How am I still, how is there still airs in, air in my lungs? But I feel so dead, you know, and that was the conversation and, you know, it so happened a couple of years later, it was meant to be for the world and it saved so many people. I get DMs every day about that song. And more recently it went viral on TikTok and it just, it, it, that was just such a moment. Like just seeing the comments and seeing amazing things like of how it's, how people relate to it and how is how it's literally everything that they're feeling. You know? Yeah. Um, That's the power of showing your vulnerability, isn't it? Right. And from then on, I was just like, I want to write more impactful songs, songs that actually have meaning, you know, and that can outlive me. Like, I, I know for a fact that song will outlive me, you know, like it will, it will stay, you know, as long as there's internet, that song will always be around because it'll be something that people will forever be able to visit. Because unfortunately, the only thing you can guarantee in life is death, you know, and people, this I feel like music is one of the best ways to deal with it. You know, it really is comforting.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Um, So I want to move on to a question for you. Um, If you could share three things about your mum that make you smile when you think of her, what do you think they might be? Um, Her cooking.
1: Definitely her cooking. Um, Her work ethic. And the love that she shared to to people. I always I always used to say to my mom you love other people more than you love your own kids cuz she was just so giving she was so loving she was so compassionate she was so forgiving you know like she really really just loved people in general like she would literally give her last to someone um and i always admired that Um to be fair both my parents have that but i always really really admired that about my mom how she looked after people so outside of church she was a care worker and um she she just she helped so many kids become better, you know. And when she passed, it was so interesting to see a lot of people that she's helped over the years, you know, they were in tears, you know, and there's something about people that aren't blood crying. Well, for me, there's something about people that aren't directly related to her being impacted the same way that I'm impacted. You know, like I remember being on Instagram and people posting pictures like, you know, with captions saying, this one really hurts. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, Auntie, Vic, Auntie Victoria, like, how can this be? And, you know, seeing those things was like, wow, like, my mum really had an impact in other people's lives, not just her kids' lives, you know? And that was very important for me to see. And just because it just also lets you know, like life is not your life is not meant to be lived forever, but you're meant to, there's a purpose. And, you know, I really felt like my mom really fulfilled her purpose in life, which was helping people, um, making, seeing the better in people and helping them see the better in themselves. Um, I really feel like she, I mean, I felt like she had more to offer, but I feel like it definitely wasn't in vain. She done so much. And, If anything, like, also, like, I don't know if there's, like, I don't know if, if there's, a if there's, uh, if, if there's a positive out of anything, it's that, I know that there's been a lot of people that have said, without my story, without my song, they would have, whether it was commit suicide or, um, not being able to get through it or harm themselves or whatever it is. Like if it wasn't for my story, they wouldn't have been able to cope. So sometimes in my head as a spiritual person, as a Christian, I do sometimes believe that everything happens for a reason. That's kind of the way I deal with my situation is that there has to be a reason. Um, And, um, and, you know, I just feel like, you know, that was, I guess, the that was the reason to help other people deal with what they were meant to do. I think music is a very, again, a very, very powerful tool. And um, I would not have been able to write this music. I, I know I never, because this is not the kind of music I normally write, <laughs> you know. Um, this song would never exist if, if I didn't go through what I went through, you know unfortunately a lot of artists to create your best material you have to go through pain you have to go through hard stuff and it's the worst but as a creative you can create stuff that really impacts the lives of other people through your hurt through your pain and that's what I was able to do with my hurt and pain and that was able to sell save millions and you know a lot of people's lives and help people relate and not feel alone because it's very easy to feel alone because I remember feeling alone for a very long time and like I'm the only person dealing with what I'm going through you know um so yeah
0: I'm completely with you and that you know that's the whole ethos around this podcast and it's why it's called grief is my superpower because exactly that reason you know you've used your grief and you've helped other people and I think you know like we said earlier about showing vulnerability and letting people know that through this terrible time, you can go on and share your experience in a positive way. And, um, and I think that's, that's great. Um, so I'm just moving on to some questions from the children at children's bereavement charity, Winston's Wish. And the first one is, how do you make yourself
1: feel happy when you're feeling sad? Good question. Um, if I'm feeling sad about my mum, I actually bought her perfume. <laughs> Smells are so important. You know, is it's crazy this what a scent of someone can do. So my mum's um perfume that she always wore was Alien and Angel. Whenever I smell that, sometimes I might just I don't know, it might be sitting sitting next to someone on a train or and they smell like that. And I literally can feel my mum next to me. And I always, I literally look up and be like, wow, mum, you're like sending me signs or something. You know, like I feel her around me. Um, so sometimes if I'm like really missing her, I might just spray her, per- her perfume around, you know, the room or whatever, just to kind of feel her presence. To be fair, I do always feel her presence a lot. If I really tap into, there's a, there's a space in my head that I can really tap in and go into. And I hug my mum a lot. So if I close my eyes, I can literally visualize hugging her and I can feel it within me, which is weird. But I, I can't make it make sense. But that, I, I, that's what it is. Um, I'm with you on that one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, okay, the next one is, what piece of music reminds you of your mum? Good
1: question. Gospel music. Gospel music. um, Gospel music reminds me of my mum. That's what she played all the time. But my mum also wasn't very musical, (laughs) to be fair. She she didn't like loud music. I get my music from my dad. Um, But um, it's usually gospel music, or there's a Janet Jackson song that my mum loves, which is Does not Really Matter? From, um, yeah... My mum loved that song. So, yeah. It's just like
0: anything, isn't it? The music, the perfume, the fragrance, anything that resonates and brings back those special memories is, is incredible. Um, okay, the next one is, what do you do to remember your mum on important days like her birthday?
1: This is still something I'm, I'm working on. Five years later, if I'm being totally honest with you, I have not been to my mum's grave for five years. The last time I went to her grave was 2015. I have not been able to get myself to go there, um and I'm not proud of that um, but that's that's okay, you know I think
0: i I could you feel it in the pause, you know, and that's why I left the pause there <laughs> for the listeners, you know because and we you know bang on about it all the time, it's like you you do it how you want to do it, and when it feels right, and when you get to that point where you feel you can go, then you go you know and 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 that's all
1: right. Yeah, every year I tell myself, okay, this year I'm going to do it. And, like, the week of like of her birthday, I'll be like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get flowers. I'm going to go there. And then I just, the day comes and I just physically can't get myself to go. I, it's crazy. And I feel like it's become a thing where, I mean, yeah, me and like, my siblings and I, my dad, we kind of, like, have swept it under the carpet, which is really, really bad. And I guess during the pandemic, we all got very close, so, and we... You know, we had certain uncomfortable conversations about it. But I I definitely feel like there's more conversation to be had um, with that all. Um, But, yeah, I haven't haven't been to a graveyard in five years. And the reason I feel bad, because sometimes I go on, I do have a lot of friends now that have lost someone. And, you know, like, I see them looking after their loved ones, you know, graveyard and, you know, sweeping it and cleaning it, and putting new fresh flowers there. And I just always think to myself, what does my mum's one look like? You know? I think to myself, if I know for a fact if I passed away before my mum, that place my mum would be there every day, you know, cleaning it and making sure it looks amazing and making sure there's new flowers there and this and that and and that's why I say I'm just a lot weaker compared to her. Because, you know, I just know that she the upkeeping of it would be so much she would do better if it wasn't if it was the other way around. And that's why I feel very bad. Um and guilty um but I'm working on it I'm 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 work It's something I really want to do and hopefully this year her birthday is December the 31st hopefully this year I push myself to do it
0: if it feels right it feels right and you know I think one thing I was thinking about when you were speaking is you said you feel her all the time anyway you know when you want to hug her you close your eyes and so you know however whatever emotions brings when you visit the grave you know deep down that she's always with you anyway and you know and i'm sure she's beaming with pride wherever she is you know so okay next question is what three things are you most thankful for at the moment three things i'm
1: most thankful for at the moment is health definitely health this year above anything i think everyone knows how important health is um family and friends and a roof over my head
0: one last question which i always like to end on and you know sometimes it's a tricky one but um if you had one final conversation with your mum what do you think you might like to say
1: to her wow i've never thought about this before hmm got to think about this Last conversation with my mom. what do you think I would say? I think it'll be full of apologies, (laughs) if I'm being totally honest with you. I think it'll be full of apologies, like just... Because there's there's so much that, being an adult now, there's so much that I used to do when I was a kid, and I used to just think my mum hated me, you know, for protecting me. But, you know, when you grow up and you really, really understand life, you're like, wow, they've done that because they love you, you know? I think I would be like, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this, this is what I've done wrong and you doing this made me better, you doing this, like I can see it all being, working for my good now, you know? Because at the time, I just thought she was trying to rain on my parade and not allow me to live my best life, (laughs) you know? Uh, But mama's always know best and... I think it'll be full of just like, wow, like I understand why you've done this now. And it's really, really made me who I am today. Um, and I would just constantly say, I love you. You know, you are literally my everything. I think that'll be the conversation.
0: I think I love you would be, you know, and I say it all the time, but I think it's 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 the big one on our lips, isn't it? If we had the opportunity, but um I just wanna say a massive thank you for taking the time out to speak with me today and sharing your experience with uh, the listeners. And I know it's gonna be a fantastic conversation when it's out for people to listen to. So yeah, very big thank you.
1: No, thank you so much, Mark. And you know, like I've got a project that's coming up very soon, I believe, end of January called Soul Searching, which is gonna be my debut EP. And there's a song on there that I've written called All For You and then All For You, Mum. And I feel like that's another powerful song that a lot of people will be able to not only relate to, but also resonate, resonate and connect with, and feel. And it'll be an. I think it's more of an uplifting. Um, um, I went through a more uplifting kind of route with that with that song, and um, it's kind of like asking my mom and saying, "I hope you're enjoying this view. I hope you're. I'm making you proud, and it's kind of going through that route. And I think a lot of your listeners and people around the world that are in this club, I think a lot of us will be able to connect with it. And I think the people that aren't are lucky enough to not be in this club. I feel like they will get a glimpse as to why they should be grateful. Sounds beautiful.
0: Okay, well, look, I'm going to add all of the relevant links in, in uh, the show notes so people can click on those and, and you know, check you out and see all the work that you've been doing. And, uh, yeah, just thank you so much. Thank you, brother.
1: Appreciate you so much, man.